16 minutes it is uh, before 9 p.m. Now, many of us uh, would have certainly seen uh, the uh, rapid rise in uh, the number of prisoners and uh, correctional services officials uh, who have been infected with COVID-19. It's standing at around uh, 388. Uh, initially, or I should say on Saturday, it was at 388. And uh, by Sunday, uh, we saw a jump to 571. And uh, many of the uh, questions uh, that uh, are being asked, uh, I guess, uh, by uh, many, is uh, whether or not uh, some of the releases that we've seen uh, will be able to contain the uh, contagion and the spread of this uh, particular disease. But uh, if we add another, I guess, uh, organizational layer, is that uh, the uh, Department of Justice and Correctional Services is expected over the uh, uh, next few days to submit some of their uh, special adjusted budget plans uh, in a new budget vote. Uh, they uh, uh, submitted one, uh, which was announced, of course, in February. But uh, COVID-19 has changed all of that. And uh, this evening we're asking uh, what are some of the key features or the uh, contours that uh, will be followed by the uh, department's uh, budget and uh, what process, of course, is going to lead to what they prioritize in response to COVID-19 and some of the projects that might have to be jettisoned. Joined now on the line by the minister, uh, 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 Ronald Lamola. Ronald, good evening to you and welcome. Yes, uh, good, good evening, and uh, also to the listeners of Metro FM. Thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. And I want us maybe, I guess just as we start, I mean, we know uh, the spillover impact of uh, COVID-19 in uh, much of your work. It hasn't only been on the correctional uh, services side of things, but uh, uh, what uh, some people might also suggest has been on uh, the uh, court services system. And uh, I want us maybe to start talking about uh, the impact that COVID-19 has had on the existing program of the government uh, to modernize court services. Uh, What is going to... I guess, happened to that program and uh, what's the impact uh, of that, uh, uh, certainly on some of the uh, lofty and uh, uh, broad ambitions that you've outlined in February? Yeah, uh, thank you. Indeed, it has it has a great impact uh, across the board in uh, justice and also at correctional services. With regard to the modernization program, it demands that uh, we leapfrog to a level where we have to be able to for the courts to, to function with minimal disruptions uh, through the various platforms that are there, that uh, you are well aware of, uh, the open ones, but also some of the platforms that relate to our own infrastructure in the, with regards to the courts. You will be aware that we also have what is called the video uh, mand, uh, uh, link that we use, which are linked from the Correctional Services Center into the into the courts. We are looking at expanding the Ronald, we seem to be losing you there. Do you mind just moving slightly for us uh, so that uh, we can uh, re-establish you on a better line? Uh, 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 okay. Hopefully you can hear me now. Yes, yes, yes. That's much better. Uh, okay, I'm on top of it right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Climb up a bit further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no is that the first one is you are aware uh, we have what is called the video link between the courts and the correctional facilities which are currently being used for postponement of matters and so forth so it's obviously that this this situation demands that we need to expand that to even in future be able to do a full-blown trial but that then calls for us to look at the review of the Criminal Procedure Act to allow for that to happen. And uh, also with regards to the court themselves, there are various uh, 
rules and legislation that we need to engage with our stakeholders to be able to to amend so that they allow for some of the of the platforms that can be used to to further uh, uh, modernize the system it's a collaborative effort it needs uh, everyone who's involved in the court administration mm-hmm. now uh I mean, I guess, I guess the, the other dimension of it is uh, some of the commitments that have been made uh, in uh, ensuring that you know, our, our justice system is able to respond to the crisis of, of rape, domestic violence, femicide, uh, a child homicide, and many of the other challenges that we face uh, in our communities. And uh, let's talk just briefly about uh, you know, those Tutuzela centers and uh, uh, you know, uh, some of the, I guess, uh, equipping of magisterial district courts to become... Uh, what you call victim-centric justice courts. Uh, is that going to stop? And uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, what impact, if any, did COVID-19 have on the rollout of some of the programs associated with that objective? Yes, indeed. COVID-19 is going to have a huge impact on the budget of, the, of both departments, correctional services and justice. With justice, the projections as we speak uh, from National Treasury is that the, the budget cuts could go to about 1.5 billion or more. But um, we will have to reprioritize uh, the budget and uh, ensure that um, it's still responsive to the needs of the people in terms of access to justice. But it's clear to us with the high level of gender-based violence, issues of domestic violence, uh, which were, were prioritized by the president, that um, Whatever happens, you cannot uh, cut the budget uh, on this uh, particular uh, aspect of our program because this is where we're expected to enable the system to be victim-centric. As you've said, there are already three pieces of legislation that uh, we're going to introduce during this financial year to respond to that. But uh, the Tutuzela Care Centers, uh, in collaboration with Social Development and the Department of Health, we have to expand their... Um, they are, they are, they are, they are, they are, they are uh, present across the country because where they do exist, Ayabonga, uh, it is, it is, it is shown that they, they work very well because mm-hmm. of the nature of these centers, which are, are more kind of uh, expertise driven with a, a prosecutor, with a doctor, with a social worker, with psychiatrists, all under one roof, helping the victim. And that is, enables us to produce a, 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 a statement that uh, is already docket uh, ready, mm. which can be easily transmitted and help the prosecution and the investigators. So it has proven to be a very successful uh, model, which we want to replicate as many uh, uh, times as, uh, as yeah. possible. And obviously the issue of the budget, uh, it is a concern to us, but we'll have to ensure that it does not compromise that work because it has proven to be very effective. Mm. What are some of the specific plans? I mean, we, we know that in the special adjustment uh, mm-hmm. budget guidelines that the National Treasury issued, that uh, there was also a, an expectation that you would outline some of your specific plans to, in the interim, respond to COVID-19. And uh, I want us maybe to talk about some of the thinking within the department. I know you can't divulge all of that stuff until it uh, is submitted and uh, uh, you know uh, uh, it's also a place before cabinet but uh, i mean let's just talk about some of the things that uh, from from your department's perspective both on the justice side of things and even on the correctional services side of things what are some of the covid specific things uh, that you would want flagged uh, in uh, and uh, proposed in your budget vote 
Yeah, obviously with the with the COVID specific uh, issues is that it has it, it has made us to to think out of the box. The Department of Correctional Services, for example, it already produces uh, some products, uh, crops, fruits in some of our farms across the country, mm. and we already manufacture some products like uh, overalls uh, and the uh, and the materials that the uh, inmates wear. So we are looking at expanding those uh, to to produce the, the, the masks that the, the inmates and officials can wear. But we can also produce that mask for any other government departments that may need the The Department of Education may need it, health, and so forth. And uh, we are already looking at that uh, to ensure that we are able to, to produce them in huge or numbers or in bulk mm. that uh, will enable also not only for us to, to be self-sufficient, but it is also a skills uh, kind of program mm. that is going to mm. train the inmates. The second one, obviously, is the production of the soup, as we already have uh, factories across the country that uh, are doing some of the most wonderful work that uh, people may not be aware of, like furniture, like mm. producing uh, some of the of the products uh, that uh, we use in, uh, in in these facilities. So the soap also is something which we believe is easy, is basic. It can also be easily produced from these uh, 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 platforms. So these are some of the quick things that we are looking at, and if we do it, that soap could be used by both justice and correctionals to also clean the courts and so forth. So mm. there is already a clear program in that regard, but while we are looking at that, we are already in uh, in engagement with the with the with the stakeholders to say how then do we deal with the with the backlogs in our courts, as we are aware that because of the COVID-19, we now have a huge backlog um, that we need all our stakeholders to sit around the, the, the table. How then do we ensure that the backlog is uh, it's, um, it, it, it's something that we all manage so that people are still able to access justice within the current uh, difficult environment of COVID-19? Mm. You spoke about skills transfer there, and uh, I think uh, the impression that many South Africans might have is that uh, uh, in many instances the uh, National Prosecuting Authority, which uh, also falls under the purview of your department, uh, has failed to prosecute many specialized commercial crimes uh, and also uh, a considerable amount of white-collar crime. Uh, And uh, people often use Steinhoff as an example of that. Uh, You flagged in uh, February that uh, the NPA would uh, appoint 277 new staffers uh, to try and bolster this capability and also bolster the recoveries uh, that uh, can be achieved uh, in instances uh, and cases linked to corruption uh, or other related offences. Where are we in terms of that and uh, uh, are we still targeting the same number in terms of uh, uh, new people that have to be onboarded into the NPA? Yeah, at this stage nothing has changed in that regard um, and uh, already some have already been appointed. But as you are aware, uh, recruitment is, uh, is some, it, it, it takes some time. There are interviews that people have to undergo. So, so it is still an ongoing uh, process. But we are hopeful that uh, it will be concluded soon. Uh, but already in some of the instances where it has been concluded, they have already been deployed uh, to go and work. And uh, I think they have already received some of the files that they, they are looking at. Hopefully they will start to... To, to move in, 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 in with regard to those matters that are before the 
the prosecutors uh, with the help of the of the hawks because the specialized commercial crimes also work uh, very closely with the south african uh, police service particularly the hawks uh, division in terms of the investigations in terms of looking at the matters so uh, we are hopeful that mm. they will be able to to do their job yeah and maybe a last one before i let you go uh, minister and uh, i guess you know th- this comes on the back of uh, uh, a conversation that was being raised but also um, uh, I think it is the 35 years anniversary of uh, uh, a considerable number of massacres in our country. I mean, I think of, uh, you know, uh, the uh, uh, Queenstown Massacre, Duncan Village Massacre, and also the uh, uh, killing of the Craddock Four. And uh, one of the things you said in February was that you want to improve uh, the access to reparations for qualifying uh, beneficiaries uh, from the TRC's recommendations process. Let's talk about that and also many of the outstanding cases in instances of people who didn't get amnesty. Uh, is this something that, uh, I guess, uh, is underway because you flagged this uh, in February? And uh, would uh, COVID in any way have had an impact on this? Yes, it is something that is underway. Um, as you are aware, the, the, the issue of reparations is not an easy one. It's very complex uh, with difficult uh, permutations, with, uh, in particular, how do we deal now with the communities that have now lived in this situation for the past 25 years? Some of the issues, uh, the young people that are there may no longer really understand. And how then do you deal with the compensation for repatriation in that particular community? Who do you deal with and so forth? So all those are issues that we are re-looking at. And uh, soon we will be able to announce to the county that this is what we are thinking should be done, and uh, that is done in engagement with the, with also the families of the affected, including those uh, those uh, communities, because mm-hmm. in some of these uh, areas, you will know it has left a real devastating impact, which is long-lasting, which uh, needs uh, more than just repatriation. It needs uh, other uh, in social interventions from all the government departments and stakeholders so that is what we are engaging on. Mm. With regard to the further uh, uh, trials and so forth, you are aware there are already some of the of the of the of the inquests that they are going on in, in the Johannesburg uh, uh, in John Foster and uh, and so forth. So that is part of, of that work, and uh, it does reflect that uh, soon we may have some kinds of reports which. Uh, can be looked at by the NPA to make uh, some kind of recommendations or decisions. Okay. We'll have to leave it there, Minister. Uh, thank you very much uh, for taking time out to speak to us. That there was uh, Ronald Lamola, uh, the Minister of uh, Justice and Correctional Services, speaking to us this evening about uh, some of the uh, programs that are underway and uh, many have already uh, uh, started. So, of course, uh, I guess those would have to continue. But uh, uh, in this moment where we're seeing uh, COVID-19 being associated with all manner of uh, gender-based violence, you probably would want uh, all of these uh, uh, GBV-centric or or victim-centric uh, um, you know, magistrates, courts and uh, other areas and even, you know, testing and rape kits uh, in our uh, police stations to all be there. You don't want a situation now because uh, that uh, we overlook 
the outcome or inevitable, uh, I don't want to call it inevitable, but uh, the outcome of isolation and uh, the impact that that has on the existing scourge and challenge of GBV and femicide uh, in this country. We're going to leave it there. 9 p.m. is the time. We're back with you again tomorrow. Same time, same place. The man with the music is here. And he's going to be with you from 9 to midnight. Uh, your musical accompaniment as we end off the evening. You have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. Nangoku, sisaibanga, le economy.